Now, this month, if you remember, we are talking about the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Um, which Pastor Padi shared that message, right? Um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, today we're going to look at the next part of that prayer. Your kingdom come. Now, your kingdom come. Um, taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 10. And it says this. This was Jesus speaking uh, to, to, to the people. This was on the, on the mountain, uh, Sermon on the Mountain, part of the Sermon on the Mountain. And the second part says, May your kingdom come and what you want be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Now this, of course, um, is um, the NLT. All right. So, oh no, New Life Version, sorry. So may your kingdom come and what you want be done here on earth as it's in heaven. And we want to just look at this, okay? And before we look at this, can we just go to God in prayer? Could we stand up, okay? We've been sitting down for some time. Let's stand up and let's go to ask God to speak to us. Father, we come to you. We pray that right now, even as we want to wrap up uh, today's service, but we want to go to your word. We want you to speak to us. We want you, God, to say something to us that would help us to see 2022 diff with different eyes. And Lord, we pray that even as we look forward, we know that you are continuing to do uh, your work. You continue to do new things every year. You're continuing, oh God, to, to, to work. And Lord, we just need to get in on your work with you so that, Lord, you can use us in whatever it is you're doing around us. So speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, looking at this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what Jesus came for. As I said earlier, He didn't just come to save you from hell. He came to bring the kingdom. All right? To bring the kingdom. When you think of the word kingdom, a lot of thoughts come to mind. And this is how God created things. When God first created everything, His creation was necessarily one that is hierarchical. Okay? One that is hierarchical, meaning there, there is hierarchy. Everything He created was like that. It is hierarchical. Think about it. When we think of hierarchy, of course, it means there must be a king and subjects. There must be a ruler and subjects. There has to be kingdom. There has to be, um, uh, there has to be uh, you know, a rule. And this is how God created, even when He created the heavens, for example, He created the lesser light and the larger light to rule the heavens. Do you remember that? Everything that God did was hierarchical. And finally, He put man in charge of, in the Garden of Eden and gave man the power to rule. And so it is hierarchical. And so when, when the Lord Jesus says that, this is how you pray, that your kingdom come. And this was what happened because John the Baptist, when John the Baptist was preaching, if you remember, John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. It's near. It's coming. And then Jesus comes, and Jesus said that the kingdom of God is here. He brought it with him. All right? 
And so, the thing about God when He created and He created everything in hierarchy, the issues that happened also was an issue of hierarchy. Because the young upstart tried to usurp God's position through the, with the serpent. Yeah? And then everything went um, haywire. Everything was topsy-turvy. Because the rightful hierarchy was upturned. And this is what happened. And that's why Jesus had to come to restore what was lost. It reminds me of that movie, that book, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis from the Chronicles of Narnia. If you remember, there was a kingdom. And then there was an outcast, the white witch, that came and the white witch usurped the kingdom and turned the kingdom into, uh, you know, uh, uh, turned the kingdom into snow. I mean, the whole thing was just winter. All right, uh, and she took control, and it irritated the residents of Narnia because the White Witch was now in control, and it was not her business to be in control. And one of the characters in that movie or in that book was Mr. Beaver, and he was really upset that the Queen called herself the Queen in this land that was not hers, and so he was complaining and grumbling and then Aslan, the lion, comes to him and the Aslan says this, Peace, beaver. All names will soon be restored to their proper owners. So the, the lion, who was representative of Jesus really in that book, tells the beaver, don't get upset just because this thing has come and this person has come and, and, and taken over there will be restoration. All right, all names. She calls herself queen of Narnia, but all names will soon be restored to their proper owners. And so it is time, church, for the church to assume our rightful position because we are inheritance, inheritors of the kingdom. Jesus came to give us the kingdom. And he told Peter that I'm giving you the keys. Right? I'm giving you the keys. And I will build my church. So we are now the rightful people who, who should carry the kingdom in this world. Now, I'm going to just very quickly say this before I, I, I go to what I want to share today. All right? So what is it going to look like? What does the kingdom look like 2022 and beyond? Okay, we are not living in the times of Narnia. We're not living in the times of the New Testament. But what would it look like to bring the kingdom? All right? Because we are people of the kingdom. That's where we belong. Our citizenship, our loyalty belongs to the kingdom. We are, we are in this world. And in every kingdom... The rulers will promote the kingdom so that the subjects will embrace the kingdom. So it's always a kingdom agenda. 
And the church should be at the forefront of promoting the kingdom agenda and the kingdom culture. So people outside looking in said, would say, I like that. And so there are people who do that, all right? They are here, they don't like what they see here. They look at another country and they say, I like what is happening there. I can see a different culture. I can see their value system. I can see what they stand for. I want to go there and stay there. So, and so they emigrate. So we, the, the world is watching. And the church needs to be at the forefront of this. So that the world looking from the outside in would say that I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this. And, that, and the only way they can do that is if we are able to promote the kingdom in the way we live, in the way we interact, in the way we love, in the way we speak, in the way we you know, do everything. That's the restoration that needs to take place. But we are in very, very, very difficult and challenging times to do this. Alright? Because after, those, after the two years that has gone by, 2020, 2021, um, we, have, we are coming out of this now, and we are standing <laughs> almost, you know, we find ourselves standing in almost fresh new territory. Everything seems to have shifted, everything seems to have changed. So I'm just going to share this with you today. I'm going to leave this with you. And very quickly, I don't want to take too much of time talking about this, but there are 10, 10 trends that will mark the future. 10 trends that will mark the future for the church, all right? Firstly, there will be the demise of the old model of church. The old model of church will no longer be the go-to model, right? Um, but listen, the death of an approach to church isn't equal to the death of a church, okay? You have to understand that. It isn't equal to the death of a church. The churches have relied for too long on having meetings, on having, uh, you know, good music, and nothing wrong with all of that, all right? In having um, interesting programs and all of that. But what is going to happen now, because of what has happened for two years, there will be a restoration to what is biblical and culturally relevant. We have to look at the cultural landscape and adapt. And churches that change are the churches that will amplify their mission. At the end of the day, it's the mission and the vision that is critical. It is not the program. But the churches who want to go back to what it was pre-COVID, pre, uh, pre they're going to lose out. Because it's not going to be the same anymore. We cannot continue doing church the way we have been doing church for years or decades. That era is gone. It will not come back. We have stepped into a new era and the future that we always talk about the future, the future is coming, future, the future is here. We are living in it now. Alright? So, the, it's the, there has to be the demise of an old model. We were talking about new wineskins today, right? New wine and new wineskins. Demise of an old model. Second thing, growing churches will innovate beyond weekend services. Focusing all our efforts 
on one and a half hours on a Sunday ignores the other 166.5 hours of the week. And you cannot do church with one and a half hours a week. That's not the way we do church. Church is meant to be done every day of the week. That is the biblical model. And there will be a restoration of that. So this mass, I'm not saying that mega churches will die. Huh? I pray and wish it wouldn't. And I pray that they will continue to flourish because God knows the world needs more churches and more people. But I'm saying that the trend would be that it would come back again to what happens throughout the week, not just what happens over a weekend. And that is why the engagement with one another in your small groups, in your meetups with one another, you know, your informal meetups and phone calls and all of that is critically important. So growing churches will innovate beyond weekend services. Churches that equip people where they live and work, they are the churches that will start to grow. The churches that equip people, that's part of our vision to strategically place people in positions and then equip them and train them to do the work, to, do, to, to pursue the vision. And so we will be having training programs this year. And if you think about it, because we need to work throughout the week, not just weekend, many of us cannot. Why? Because we do not have the time. You're working. Everybody seems, everybody has their work, everybody is working. And this is why we also need to employ people. We need to employ full-time staff. You know, sometimes people say, you know, we discussed this, but why is it taking so long to implement? It's because we, there's that administrative work to be done, you know, before something can be implemented. And we don't have an administrator. And so it's left to the people who are already doing so much to do this and that. You know, we put on so many different hats. Um, and, and, and sometimes it is almost impossible to get something done and roll it out fast. And so we need to employ people who are called into the full-time ministry so that finally the pastors can let go of some things and say, okay, this one you can do while we can run and just get this done and get this rolling. Number three, the vision for the future will become clearer. The core of the church's vision has always been evangelism and discipleship. Now evangelism, we all can do and we should be doing. Pastor Daniel talked about it. But the discipling, that takes time. That's not something that you can just jump in and meet somebody once a month. That's not discipling. Jesus spent every day with a small group of people for three years. And then he called them disciples. Again, it is difficult for us to do that because we do not have time. Because you want to disciple someone, you need the time. So we are also going to look, you saw what uh, Brother Tenhouse shared with you, employing people. It's not just an administrative person. We are also going to look at someone who can come in to become a pastor for discipleship and disciple making. Because we need 
someone with time to do this and do it effectively. See, once we spend time, we are able to do this, the vision becomes clearer and we begin to experiment with new approaches that's resonating with the community. We'll start to, and then you'll find that the church will start to find traction in the community. We need to get this done. Because it's changing and we cannot stay as we were. We'll have to experiment with new innovative ways to reach people. You know, when we were in the 70s, you can ask Pastor Paddy, what we could do, we, did, we had something called tracting. We would take our bicycles, 70s, some bicycles, no license yet, and we would cycle to housing estates and go to house to house and drop tracks and talk to the people if they come to take the track, invite them to church, we would do that. You can't do that now. You can't go to home to home. I can't go to Irene's home. You know, I got to go and give my IC, tell the person why I'm going there. That person will call her. She's not at home and he says, no, you can't go in and I can't go. I can't go to Tenasa because all, many people are staying now in gated, guarded communities. Things have changed, even on that score. So to go tracking now is an impossibility. So we've got to change our methods of reaching the community. So the churches who, that experiment with new approaches will find traction. But when you experiment, you must expect some criticism initially because some things work, some things don't work. It's okay. It's okay. All right? Uh, to try something and find that it doesn't quite work. It's all right. It's better to try than not to try at all. Okay? Number four. Attendance will normalize and you'll have a new church. What do I mean? Some people who said they would come back later when things have settled down aren't coming back. Does that alarm you? That's the reality. Some people who said they're coming back are not coming back. But you know what? We have found new people online. That's exciting, right? We found new people online. I see Han and Jerry. We've never seen them before the pandemic. We, we see Preman and, and Nanda. We've never seen them prior to the pandemic. There are people, there will be new people coming. All right? People who found us online, maybe. Um, they are here now. There are others at home. And you're part of us. We love you. But the people who are here now, they are the people that we're going to build the future with. They are the people whom we can build the future with. So I want to say this to the church. Stop yearning for yesterday. Because you cannot build tomorrow if you keep looking at yesterday. It doesn't work. I've said this before. Nobody can drive safely by looking at the rear mirror all the time. Okay? Your car will veer off and you'll go into the ditch. You've got to keep your eye on your main screen, your main windscreen, and once in a while you can take a peek of what's at the back so that you don't, something doesn't catch up with you or trip you up. All right? But your focus is always the, what's ahead. 
And that should be the way the church should also take. Number five, hybrid churches will become church. So we will stop calling ourselves a hybrid church. This is church because we expect churches to be hybrid. That is the new reality. Hosting church online and in person is just how you do church to reach the next generation and to reach the community. That's, that's how you do it. All right? And we've got to realize that church online is both a necessity as well as an opportunity. Now, some people say, no, we shouldn't make it necessary because once you make it necessary, then people would choose to stay at home. Okay, as I said, we still reach out to them, we still love them, we still call them a part of us. But if they choose to stay at home and not come here, we cannot build the church with them. We can still reach them and love them, yes. But apart from it being necessary, it's an opportunity because we are reaching people that we cannot reach if we only have in-person service. All right. right now, I've got peop- we've got people from Kuching looking in. How cool is that? We don't have a church in Kuching, but there are people in Kuching looking in. So it's an opportunity. There could be people from elsewhere looking in, and there could be an opportunity for a church to be planted in a place that we have not even gone to. Number six, in-person Meetings will become more personal. All right? You see, the future is both deeply digital and deeply personal. Uh, And people who show up for in-person service are the people who desire, who expect more personal experiences. That's why they come. Just now, who was it? I think it was... Brother Deacon Tianhao, who mentioned that it's not the same when you're worshipping the Lord at home in front of your television. And may I just add on to that? In front of your television with a mug of coffee in your hand and breakfast on the plate in front of you. Well, the people who take the trouble to get up earlier and dress up and drive and come here are the people who desire a personal experience. And you know, this is why then you know that the people who come are not coming because it's obligatory now, because they have a chance to stay at home and follow a service in the comfort and the convenience of being at home. The people who actually come here are the people who already desire an experience. That's why they are here. They've made the effort. Before, they, they have no choice. Am I right? Pre, uh, Pre-COVID, they have no choice. They have to come. Now they have a choice. So I know that the people who are here are the people who desire a personal experience. That's why they've taken the effort and the trouble. So it's so much easier now to minister to people. So much easier. The atmosphere, the environment of this place will be one of expectation because they've all come with that. I come because I want this. I want an experience. Number eight, number, number seven, sorry, there are nine trends, huh? Nine. Number seven, location-independent church members will increase. 
What do I mean by this? You heard Pastor Lucy today. There have been mass migration out of cities into uh, areas that are outside the cities. Many people, over because of the pandemic, have either lost their jobs, um, and so they've gone back because there's nothing left here for them. Okay, rental will be too expensive. So they've gone back to other places. And so there'll be mass migration of people out of cities, out of jobs they once held. And some of them go into new frontiers. I know of our brothers uh, in KK, for example, I know of a brother in KK who has gone back to his kampong and now he's become a farmer. It's a new frontier. Because he was involved in another uh, business that almost shut down because of the pandemic. And so they've gone out. They've gone into new frontiers. There are other people who now, because they have no jobs, I also know of another person, I'm not a believer, but I know of, of this lady, who lost her job at the uh, travel agency that she was in. And so now she's gone and she started her own online business. New frontiers. Because now people have discovered that I work for a boss. Whenever he feels feel like sacking me, he just sack. You know, I might as well find something more stable. I will look for my own. I will be my own boss. I start my own business. So I put the opportunity now because of online. Right? So what will happen is this. So people now are migrating out. They are moving away. They are finding new things. And so sometimes they may be further than, than is comfortable for them to come here. So what may happen is that they will, this will lead to more micro-meetings. People move to a certain place. Okay? You can find two, three people in that place and have a micro-meeting. But they can connect with you online. Okay, they can connect with you online. And so location-independent church members will start to increase. They are not dependent on the location. They are location-independent. Right? Um, but they will start to increase. And this will become a new trend moving into 2022 and beyond. All right? And so, as Pastor Swan was mentioning, there is a need now to connect with people. Because some of them may not be able to come here, but they'll be in other locations. So there are micro-meetings. But here, we need to continue connecting with them, not to leave them, because they are a part of us, and they are part of the church, and they're part of the body, and we cannot cut off a part of our body and say, we don't need you. We need everyone. So that is another thing that would happen 2022 and beyond. So the, you, can notice, you can see that everything is shifting. All right? Number nine and number eight, less predictability. The longing for a return to a more stable, predictable future is unlikely. That's unlikely, all right? Um, churches that want to return to auto uh, cruise control, huh? cruise control mode, mode would start to see people leave. Churches were like that before. They don't exactly what will happen every week. Okay, this is a service. They just run the service. And, uh, that is not going to happen anymore. If the churches are going to be predictable, there are people who are going to just leave. All right? But the churches that innovate, the churches that keep up with changing trends, they are the ones that would thrive in this new environment. Now listen, there are things that were marked to happen 
in five or ten years ahead. But all that has been accelerated. The timeline has been accelerated because of the pandemic. And so what was supposed to happen, trends that were supposed to take place five or ten years later are happening right now. Okay? Um, and so you find churches wondering, so, so what about this? I mean, talking about micro-meetings, how are we to engage? Uh, how will they have that experience? Uh, listen, things are happening in the digital world. People like Dinesh, Denhao, those people who are into the digital thing would know there are things like Metaverse, there are things like um, Web3 uh, that's coming up that, that has to do with virtual reality experiences. So much so that it will happen with the church as well that you can be somewhere else and not only follow online, because that is a Web2 thing. Web3 thing, you are now engaged, fully engaged. Because it is virtual reality, it's a virtual reality world. Things like that that is supposed to happen, you know, decades or at least five years ahead, is already happening now. It's all been accelerated because of the situation. The church must be aware. The church must be ready and prepared. But when it comes, we are already in it. Because if not, we're going to lose. Uh, we will lose out, okay, and lose people. And the final one. Another trend is that we need, we will have to become more mission-focused. Traditionally, I remember growing up, the church was very focused on a lot of other stuff, lah, okay? Fellowship, 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 you know, come together, have good times, inspiration. I remember those days, there are things like inspiration. Okay, see Pastor Paddy smiling when I used the word inspiration. Those were things that we used to have. Have a jolly good time as Christians. The trends have shifted. Churches are beginning to realize that time is short and we need to get more mission focused. And so I'm very, very thankful for this church that a good bulk, a budget, our budget for mission work is very high. And that's a good thing. It's a healthy thing for a church to have a big mission budget. That a lot of money is going outside. It's a healthy thing. All right? See, in the spiritual realm, the church's role is to advance the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come. That is our main role, to advance the kingdom of God. The church has been promised the presence of Christ. We know that. But it's conditional. The presence of Christ, if we were to go and preach the gospel. Lo, I am with you always, right? Till the end of the earth. So, it's conditional that we have to be engaged with God's business. As Jesus was, remember when he was caught, when the parents found him in the temple when he was 12, and he says, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? When the church is about the father's business, the presence of Christ is with the church. Alright? And then, we have also been promised the power of the Holy Spirit. The, power, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will have power to be my witnesses. So these are things. So all the three persons of the, of the Godhead is involved. The Father's business, the Son's presence, the Spirit's power. All right. 
And with that, we need to be more mission-focused because that's the way we can advance the kingdom. And a church that is positioned right, and this is where what we sang today comes into play, yeah? being new wineskins, because the old methods, the old ways are not going to hold new wine. The church that is positioned right will see the greatest acceleration in our lifetime. I really believe that. You know, so we must always think ahead and not live with our eyes on the rearview mirror and long for the good old days to come back because those days are not coming back. And I'm believing that the good days are actually ahead, not the ones behind. Amen? Come on. The good days are actually ahead. The greatest acceleration of souls being saved, of evangelism, discipling, and all of that are ahead. We are in those days. Because there's already an acceleration of technology and everything. And so the resources available to us to reach a world that needs to hear about Jesus is there. We need to just tap into that. Amen. Come on, church. Are you excited? Restoration and advancing the kingdom of God together as a family, high point life. That's what we need to do. God has put us here for a reason and for a purpose. And we are living in very exciting times, indeed. The kingdom of God will change with the times. The values, the stories, the, 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 the power and all of that is the same. But as times change, you know, countries that adapt to new technology, those are kingdoms, they become very advanced and they become very progressive. The, the countries that hold on to old ways and archaic ways, they lose out. Economically, they lose out in every way. It's the same with the kingdom. Because all these new things that are happening are things that God knows. And God says, I can use these things to advance the kingdom. And then he looks at us and says, are you ready to partner with me? Are you ready to partner with me to advance the kingdom together? And as we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Don't for a moment think that all these new fads and new trends has nothing to do with God. Don't for a moment think that. God is here. He is at work. And whatever man may be able to invent, God can take and use it for his glory.